Welcome back to the Behind the Business podcast, my music industry podcast, where I talk to a selection of wonderful and interesting people throughout the music industry about what they do, who they are, what their influences or who their influences were and are, and what their motivations are. This week's episode is with another ex-student of mine, Cameron Cooper. We sat down for a chat in around September of last year uh, to talk about his time studying a music business degree um, but also to chat about his YouTube channel and how it started, how he's managed to grow it and also that wonderful question of how you make money from a YouTube channel. Uh, When we talked, Cam's channel had around 18,000 subscribers Uh, Since the chat, it's grown to 25,000 subscribers worldwide, and the channel continues to grow rapidly. He talks a little bit about some of his aspirations for the channel on on the pod. Uh, On the channel, he specialises in reviewing guitars, amps, effects, as well as teaching advanced guitar playing techniques. And the channel has gotten him or has given him the opportunity to connect with uh, a whole host of some of his idols and other artists, which is also something that we talk a little bit about in the chat, how it's enabled him to develop his networking and that sort of stuff. He's been fortunate to talk to and to jam with Gus G, who's worked with Ozzy Osbourne, uh, Steel Panther, a story that he tells on, on the pod, as well as other artists such as Steve Vai, Angel Vivaldi, Pliny and Andy James. So it was a great chat about all things YouTube. If you want to check out his channel, go to, it's just called Cameron Cooper. Uh, you can also find him on Instagram at guitarmancam, but I will re- I will mention those again at the end. But enough of me, here's my conversation with... Guitar Man Cam, Cameron Cooper. You came to into music business education with, as you put it, with no real broad knowledge of it. Yeah, it was a cold start. You had <laughs> no real idea of where you wanted to go. True. Um, what you, but you were a performer, and you just you knew that a business degree would actually bolt into what you were already doing, as opposed to, um, as opposed to kind of topping up what you already knew or refining what you already did anyway. Yeah. Now that you've got to the end, do you have any idea where you are most interested in forging uh, a career path? Well, um, I feel, well, my biggest strength is the guitar. So mm-hmm. I need to, I have to find a way of using that in some way. Okay. And whether it be forming a band and starting out in that path seems a very logical path to go down mm-hmm. but at the same time I'm finding obviously through the degree that music is used in many other ways for instance obviously you've got session musicians who have to tailor their skills to meet many different musical genres yep, yep. Uh, also there's um, an untapped into 
side of the industry, which I only I only tend to I discussed it with a few guitar students mm -hmm. uh, at the uh, start of second year, which is obviously the whole manufacturing and product side. Well, actually, making guitars. Not not making guitars as such, but just all the kit and equipment that goes with it. Because mm -hmm. I think uh, obviously you get th companies like Fender, Gibson, whatever Gibson are now. <laughs> now that well, I was down can, but they. It but, was an interesting thing that you brought up there because yes. a lot of the big guns, and you just mentioned Gibson, bankrupt. Mm. Whereas, and as a guitarist mm. in inverted yeah. inverted commas myself, mm. I do look at and follow brands on mm. Instagram and the like, and it seems to be quite a a good time for boutique manufacturers yeah. of equipment. Yeah, it's it's become very much of an entrepreneurial segment of the music industry. Although although it's not it's the sort of bridges the gap the the whole manufacturing side of mm -hmm. the uh, of the music instrument industry is is that it bridges the gap between if you like the music industry and the aura that is and conventional business if you like mm -hmm. where you're making products people can touch whereas in the music industry now with streaming and everything you are selling a product that you have to convince someone to like for a few seconds so so if that is a genuine area that is of interest to you it bolts yeah. into your guitar playing it bolts into what you've learned via a music business degree you know, have you thought at all about what that looks like about getting into it? Is it finding a job with one already? Is it yeah. setting your own yeah. one up? Uh, I don't know about. <laughs> I'm not a technician myself, but uh, you can I always suppose, find people that yeah, can do all the I electronics. Yeah, that's true. But I suppose uh, it'd be about um, assisting the brands that I like, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. I, I've been a big user of um, Charvel guitars for a, the longest time, uh, which are a sort of subsidiary of Fender, and they absolutely were um, a huge part of my playing and I feel that if so in my case I found the product that I needed uh, to be creative and to and also just find the music this is gonna sound really cliche but to find the music that was inside my head mm -hmm. and that really worked and I feel that if uh, the reason why I'm saying this would link to a career is that if some if more people found the kit and the equipment that they needed for themselves or what really inspired them the most they will achieve in music, whether it's just to themselves or to thousands of people, the greatest sense of fulfillment that you can get. Okay. And you can they can unlock, if you like, their creative potential, which is something I feel I'm only just starting to do. Is is that where the YouTube channel kind of starts to yeah. fit into your way of yeah. thinking? That cre that crept in, fully enough, as a um, a way of tracking my progress. But it was I started, if you like, totally for selfish reasons. Where it was an element of um, right, I'm going to play this cover just to see what people think, mm -hmm. and then I'm going to get better and better and better. It was almost like a video diary. And then I, after getting onto YouTube, I had the account since I think 2011, but I didn't start uploading until 2015. And I started to notice how people were using YouTube, the sort of knowledge that generally people were looking for from YouTube. Mm -hmm. So that's how it ended up transforming into lessons and where I used to get feedback and saying, some people were saying, you're, you're pretty competent in, for your age in, uh, in, <laughs> in uh, inverted nice commas. Yeah, it was, it was very flattering. And uh, that's where I started to think people can use my knowledge and my, if you like, fresh perspective. Because a lot of people who watch my channel are t uh, 10 to 20 years older than me. And they, if you like, value my perspective and my learning journey, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. 
And I feel if I can capitalize on that for as long as I physically can, that's um, an amazing place for me to start. And it also, it adds to everything. It's networking, it builds up so many different skills that are, if you like, are required from an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. Uh, not only the persistence, the resilience, and you just get a tough skin, because you have to be open to feedback for some pretty nasty people. wind it back a little bit yeah, true. from there and talk about the YouTube channel now. Mm-hmm. Um, so you said that you set it up very much for personal yeah. issues. So what was it? When, it, when you first, in 2015, when you yeah. decided to start posting stuff, what was going through your head? Did you have any idea what it took to run a YouTube channel? Yeah. Or was it just, I'm going to Honestly, video this stuff and then make it available? Pretty much the latter. Uh, I started, uh, obviously, I, I was playing for a good while before then. Yep. And I thought, because I'd just come out of high school, I did one or two band things in high school, various school performances, and one or two little things. But uh, apart from that, there was an element where I want to broaden my horizon, see what other people are out there, and see what they think. And, a, and there was an element of looking for band mates. All of that hasn't been done, and I'm not in a band yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a strong element of that. Uh, I started um, to really, uh, I, obviously I started it with the intention of documenting my progress yep. with learning to play the guitar and there's a sense of fulfillment where you could look back in three months time and know that you couldn't play that. And there was a huge... And it, was, it was totally just for you, it was so... It was for me in the process. What, what made you make it public then? Uh, I, I think there was an element as well of I was starting a music business degree. <laughs> okay. And because uh, it obviously 2015 was when I started, uh-huh. and there was an element where uh, if I can sort of nurture this alongside my degree, it will become my, if you like, calling card. Were you, aw- were you aware of YouTube channels? Because uh, I mean, I, I I think it's quite a young business model well, to have. This is the it? thing. So. It's it's so. I was at university until 2009, when things like. Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and all that sort of stuff first kicked on. You know, I remember signing up to Twitter, for example, in the second year of university and not posting anything on it for about seven years because it wasn't a thing yeah. then. So YouTube was exactly the same. I, I remember signing up to YouTube and it not being the, the monster that it is the 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 broadcaster yeah. that it is now, um, and I'm like you, like a lot of young people now. I subscribe to channels. I watch channels in much the same way as I would watch the BBC, ITV, mm. Channel Four. So, were you doing that already? Uh, so this is 2015 yeah. when it was starting to kick on, where there were channels, where there were vloggers yeah. and content providers yeah. doing. Well, that. I thought, enough, it was a lot of it was I was learning, I was watching YouTube videos, because I can't remember how I was even introduced to YouTube. I think I'm just if you like young enough to not really remember where you're almost born into it. But I, I can't remember the first YouTube video I sort of watched, but I do remember when I wanted to make my channel public and I saw a uh, a channel I don't I cannot for the life of me remember if it's still around because I've not watched a video from it for a while uh, I think it's called Sarge Rock 
nice. something. Uh, it was right um, off the tongue. But it was I know I can't re- <laughs> I can't re- I can't remember the dude's name. But um, he often used to post covers of people like Ozzy Osbourne, right. Van Halen, ACDC, all of my favourite sort of musical uh, influences, mm-hmm. and he uh, obviously was getting huge. I didn't think about it from a money perspective in okay. the beginning. It was solely driven by the childish passion of being good at something and getting positive feedback back. I think and that's what uh, it was. Yeah, that's what it was. Back in the day, it was just, hey, look at me, like, this is my stuff. It was just approval. Yeah. Uh, and to be honest, <laughs> this is going to sound a bit deep and a bit, um, I suppose, really quite meaningful. But the uh, at school, I was never um, the most popular kid. And uh, I always... I, I often used to enjoy playing the guitar because it was my... If, if I wasn't good... At school, or if I wasn't good at socialising or even meeting people, I'd be good at the guitar, and that's fine by me. Okay. It was it was to prove to myself that I could do something. It was mm-hmm. a huge confidence builder, and knowing that all of the work and everything I put into that could be enjoyed by others, it was instant. Mm-hmm. I thought I I, need, I really want to show someone that I can do this. There was no other motive apart from what what do you think I feel you guys will like it and if it's not for me I'll back away mm-hmm. but I thought I, I want to do what this guy's doing he's this guy but this Sarge Rock yeah, channel yeah, yeah. I watched was achieving thousands of thousands I think one of his covers which I think due to copyright law enhancements and uh, re- revisions it's um it was taken down. It achieved millions of hits, though. Safe Harbor. Yeah, yeah, no, it achieved, <laughs> <laughs> it achieved millions of hits. Mm-hmm. But, uh, it, the, but the approval he got from it was unbelievable, and how much it motivated me to keep going. I thought this is my way in. This would be a way for me to be noticed. Um, for as a kid, uh, obviously, as I say, I was never the most social guy, mm-hmm. and I feel a lot of people now are not as social as they're made out to be. A lot of people, I think, may post content out to try and make themselves look a tad more interesting I, than me. Well, maybe no, I, get, I get what you're saying. I, I, but, I uh, kind of think we're of an weird. age where people, there's everybody has two different people. Yes. There's the person online, whether that's a positive thing or a negative thing, as in a lot of people hide behind yeah. the, the, you know, below the line on the internet and all that sort of stuff. And then there's the person who they are in the classroom, in the pub, at yeah. work or anything like that and yeah. I think that that's becoming much more a lot of people are much yeah. more confident even if it is in front yeah. of a camera yeah. that it, they're it very very confident whereas if they're in front of someone it's, mm. they're a very very different yeah. person Literally, um, speaking to a camera massively improved my confidence okay. but as I was going to say as a kid uh, when I, I was obviously I was, I was very introverted as a kid uh-huh. and I still kind of am now but uh, whenever it came to little things whether it be in school or even in college when it came to demonstrations and you know even when you do when you remember when you were a kid and you used to get uh, maybe like a special guest or something like that it says now we need a volunteer from the audience that kind of thing and the, and obviously everyone sticks their hand up I always used to be on at the front like me 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 I'd be stretching my hand up so high that the fleshy membrane of my forearm would split well, <laughs> legit, I was actually so wanted to break away from the crowd and separate and shine and then sort of duck away again when it's all done and it's over okay. and I think YouTube gave me the chance to do that that's a very strange connection yeah, yeah, yeah. to make that's but fine. that's a, a similar sort of feeling I get from it uh-huh. uh, it's an element of where I can shine I can sort of show people what I'm made of and also it gives me a chance to express myself and gain feedback although mm-hmm. the majority of people on there I've never met 
fact, 99% of them I've never met. So when did it go from kind of this thing that you thought, I'm just going to upload stuff to this could be a thing Mm -hmm. with a strategy and... That was when I got that, that was when I got past um, uh, uh, 500 subscribers. I uh, it all came from actually getting spotted by someone who was a lot more popular than I was. Uh, mm-hmm. There was a channel, uh, well, there was two really. Uh, there was one called uh, by a guy called run by a guy called Robert Baker, who's he's massive now on YouTube. I think he's got about 150 thousand at least subscribers. And uh, at the time of me being spotted, I had I think five I think it was about 100 subs so I thought to, for me to be spotted by someone who at that time I think he had 25,000 which is still more than me now mm-hmm. but um, he uh, spotted me and I'm literally just a drop in the ocean yeah, yeah, yeah. that, and that was just the most amazing thing and he sent me a couple of comments and I uh, he asked me if I wanted to feature on one of his uh, if you like series he, he, he did one I think it was called uh, Shred Alert Saturdays or something where mm-hmm. he'd post or promote an, a younger player or someone who's up and coming. Yep. And uh, the fact that he offered me to do that, I thought, this YouTube thing is not only making me feel good because I'm getting positive feedback from strangers, but it's creating opportunities yeah. to get noticed. So I thought, even better, this is fantastic. And I got on that and it started to sort of rolling snowball, self-perpetuate from there and grow and grow and grow. And I was starting to get feedback after that from the guitarist of Asia now, Sam Coulson, and and I speak to him fairly regularly now. Okay. So it's it was just a way of building up, if you like, your own network and all, almost trust, if that makes sense. Because mm-hmm. obviously the visual, audio-visual medium that everyone's exposed to now is the closest, obviously, you can get to actually communicating without meeting someone. Yeah. And it's probably the most one of the most trustworthy media forms there is. So well, what better to use it? <laughs> mentioned subscribers a minute ago so yeah. you're still in and around the 17,000 uh, mark s- yes 17,000 I think 700 a month now now some people you know, a lot of bands would kill mm. to, to have a mailing list mm. that has 17,000 people on it yeah so when it comes to like managing your account managing this system that you have built up over the past what three or four years yeah. Um, do you have the facts and the figures and the stats that you know how many of those 17,000 people pretty much watch everything? Uh, yes. Or engage uh, with everything uh, that you put? Well, uh, a lot of the people who subscribe um, are, because I did my dissertation on my channel. Cool. And uh, I involved, more specifically, it was more about how the channel could be built into a small business and what was yeah. necessary to launch it. That's kind of where I'm getting at. Yeah. And um, what happened with the statistics was, it wasn't necessarily how many, how retentive the audience was, mm-hmm. but obviously to stick to your question, yeah, yeah. Uh, of the people who watch it, of the 17,000, I get uh, the most popular people who watch right to the end and watch everything. It's about 44%, which is... X. That's high, and and also a lot of my subscribers. Uh, I think a lot of people have um, done the whole auto ads and bought Google ads. So a lot of people will see the products and uh, and the videos, but you 
are offering. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, so many people will click subscribe out of impulse but never watch anything. I can't deny I've done that. Well, this is why but I was asking. Because, because I haven't done that. Everyone who's clicked on my channel, a small, uh, compared to many others, it may be now, all of those followers made the decision to follow it because they liked it. And each so one's very vocal. Right. So you haven't done the thing where things happen automatically and so your numbers go yeah. up yeah. even if someone just watches yeah. like 30 seconds. Uh, yeah, I've never invested in any ads. Okay. Uh, so which is uh, arguably a mistake. Uh, but you could, but hey, at the same time it's given it's me uh, such a uh, retentive, loyal and vocal uh -huh. audience which is brilliant. And so you've got 17,000 subscribers. You've got a pretty high click rate, view rate yeah, about to hit 3 million views. And all that sort of stuff. The channel started as a, I'm going to document my progression as a player. Yeah. And it's now a tuition channel. It's now a review, tech review channel. Yeah. How would you describe it? I'd describe my channel as my guitar playing life. Right. Uh, a lot of it is genuinely how I feel as a guitar player and a lot of my lessons are I've just learnt this you guys could really help uh, use this and take well, reap the benefits of it for yourself no matter what stage you are in your playing mm -hmm. and and if I get the camera rolling while I'm in the middle of either learning it or I've just finished learning it I'm really excited about it Yeah. and I feel if people can tap into that they'll really really enjoy it for themselves but they'll want to keep coming back to know where things are going. Mm -hmm. And I think uh, I think anyone likes something, watching something change. I think there's an, an element of entertainment to that. And that's what I've always liked from other channels. Yep. Uh, to keep keep with the channel content, uh, I like to um, provide various different kit and equipment reviews because there are so many people you have to cater to as well because it wasn't started with that in mind. It was more of a, yeah. a, a if you like, a guitar playing diary, if yeah, you yeah. say that. And then, very, a lot of people started to ask what equipment I did use okay. and that's how the gear reviewing thing started uh -huh. and also I noticed a lot of people got views from that so I thought if I could be the first to offer a perspective on something new whether it be a new guitar, a new amp, a new pedal I could offer a fresh perspective but I'd say it combines a little bit of everything but to put it fundamentally it's a, if you like a guitar player's journey Okay. That's what I describe it as. Everything I do on it is about where I'm at now, you're doing and, and yeah, and how I'm moving on, and how everything's helped. And here's here's the the fundamental question, the question that I'm sure you get asked a lot. Do you make any money out of it? Yep, I do. Uh, how? Uh, Not necessarily what or how much, but yeah. how? Where does the money come from? Uh, advertising revenue majority of it uh, I do I am through YouTube as in through. YouTube putting their ads at the beginning middle and end yeah and yeah getting a share of that yes that's where it comes from at mm -hmm. the moment although I am looking into uh, further options because I am now that I'm starting to hit 10,000 10,000 was where it really started to take off and well that's what that and my, the and next my, question. And my email inbox <laughs> started to fill up right um, I I'm getting opportunities now with various uh, merch companies that I'm hoping to engage with cool uh, although there is a slight fear of making the leap if that makes sense simply because it's just fear of the unknown and that's so, more on the sponsorship 
side of potentially, things. So yeah. if we if we talk about what YouTube channels look like, that's you're talking to companies outside of random adverts coming yes. up through the cookies on your on your computer, and it's actually you saying I endorse this, or you yeah. wearing a specific T-shirt yeah. or something yeah. like that with yeah. a logo on it yeah. separately. Yeah. Are you any of the reviews that you're doing? Are they just because you've bought something and you're reviewing it, or are you I'm talking to the companies and they're going, "Can yeah. you can you review yeah. our?" Thought, I'm not actually strictly endorsed by anybody. I, I am uh, a part of a, com a small company in Sheffield that makes boutique guitars called Storm Shadow Guitar Works because mm -hmm. uh, they make a product I very much enjoy. But I'm not actually contractually tied to anybody. No, but um, you must. I mean, from my perspective, if you review someone's thing they've asked you to do that uh, and I guess well I guess if you get paid for it then there's something to be said yeah. where you have to do a, you have to give them a good review yeah. when it came to uh, reviewing and everything a lot of it just came off my own back because uh, right. uh, I've come from a musical family and we've had equipment before but a lot of it came from a lot of people like to see new things yeah. and the more equipment I can bring out and then if anything new comes out into the collection that we may have more people like to see that. So yeah. uh, companies haven't asked me to review it, but I'd like to feel that I'm doing them a favor because those companies are giving me a lot of joy by making what they make. Mm -hmm. So that's the way it always has yeah, been. Okay. But you, you mentioned when you went over a certain, when you went over 10,000. Is that how it works? I mean, for someone who's never posted on YouTube before, yeah. I've got a vague idea about how the system works in the background. Yeah. But is there a kind of a nice, pithy, quick explanation of how to make money, even if it's a pound from YouTube? I suppose uh, you have to, uh, there are various conditions with YouTube that uh, you have to uh, obviously conform to. You have to have, I think, I think there was an element where YouTube didn't want to reward procrastinators, where you know, someone will upload one viral video and make a little bit of money from it. I think and never make a commitment to YouTube. Right. Now I think YouTube are starting to whittle out people who are doing that, uh -huh. um, and what they're doing instead are focusing on the people who are uploading really, really regularly. And uh, I th I'm not wanting to say what the specific numbers are in order to qualify for monetization. I think it's, you've got to have over, I think a thousand, I think it's 4,000 watching hours over 12 months, which in perspective is nothing. I think it's actually quite easy. But okay. I think you have to have a thousand subscribers plus, which is the tough one you have to get past. To get, to start earning to, to anything. To start earning anything, yeah. Because I think they want really committed accounts now. Yeah. Uh, because 4,000 watch hours is nothing in the grand scheme of things, mm -hmm. that's an easy part. You just have to make a lot of videos. But in order to get the subscribers, that's where you have to, if you like, build the personal brand and build the pers the actual channel personality, if that makes sense, whichever evolves. And is that how the, kind of the, the, the YouTube community helps? Because I'm guessing you didn't do loads of other social media marketing or even you didn't pay loads of money to market it so that people would find it no. you posted stuff you built up connections with other YouTube channels who may have been that little bit further along than you yeah. and it was reciprocal and then you start to climb that way so yes. is that how it works? Uh, is that the best way of yeah communication by an absolute mile and, not, and you don't get anything without asking I've asked for shout outs from so many people I sent a few out to uh, various brands 
and various other YouTubers were further along, like, any chance of a shout out? I've been a big fan for ages, and you even comment on my stuff. Please? And what's the response You'd be surprised at how low it is. I don't know whether it's out <laughs> of ignorance or whether it's out of uh, simply just a mass tidal wave of emails. But uh, I think it all comes from just persistence mm -hmm. and constant uploading and any idea you've got for a video jot it down and make what you'd watch it seems, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It seems like a stupid thing to say but I, a lot of people I seem to find now ask me about how do you make money from YouTube how do you get started what would you recommend doing and start to ask me the trivial questions about gear setup and everything else but I'd just say if you want to make content make the content that you'd want to watch yourself yeah and because that way you know that you're filling the gap because if you're making the content that you saw someone else watch, you're just copying them. Yeah. Which uh, I think one or two of my videos in the early process was getting started on. You could say that about kit review. Loads of people have done it before. Not my idea. But if you can be there first, it's yeah. your first one there. If you're and looking for something and it's not yeah. there, why don't you go and do it yourself? Yeah. Uh, but kind if, of the reason for this. Yes. <laughs> exactly. So, <laughs> but the um, the way uh, I'd say my channel worked was by making what I wanted to watch, whether it be popular or unpopular. Yeah. Uh, and I don't mean unpopular as in people disliked it. It just wasn't seen by a lot of people. Yeah. yeah. Uh, like for instance, my uh, most popular video is a Van Halen lick that absolutely transformed my playing. But and obviously th to turn it into something that other people would like, you have to title it in the way you would a newspaper headline that would compel people to click on it, which is, you could call clickbait. But I don't, yeah, like, yeah. But I wouldn't, I don't go online to think that I'm making clickbait. Have you learnt that along the way? Yes, uh, by not only just comment abuse. Like, you're making clickbait. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, also there's a huge element of, there's no fulfilment from it. If, if you feel like you're copying someone else or you're just trying to get views for the sake of views, it's not that fun, really. Mm -hmm. uh, but the, when I titled this video, I thought I've got to make a video that's really valuable to me because I, I learned a literally Van Halen guitar lick that could be, it's so transferable, I really enjoyed playing it and everyone could make use of it, whether you're a jazzer or anything. It's, just, it's so transferable. Mm -hmm. And they loaded it uh, with the title, uh, This Eddie Van Halen Lick Will Transform Your Playing. Right, and that was designed to get obviously first time as interested because obviously Van Halen's massive, yeah. and he, uh, I think, uh, a lot of people would click on that because they thought, could it? You you get into their head and think yeah. they'll read that title and they go, could it though? Mm -hmm. They ask themselves the question of, could this lick I'm about to watch transform my playing? They 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 have to take a risk. They have to take a chance. They're using their time yeah, towards yeah. the video it's just a sense of um, I'm digressing again that's alright uh, but you, they have to uh, you have to capture them just for a split second uh -huh. and that's where this whole idea came from in terms of making money you have to make the videos that you're passionate about the ones that you'd want to make and just the stuff that you'd watch but the difference is if it's the stuff that you would watch that means it's not there it's hypothetical it's an idea yeah. If it does, if you make it, if it doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. And so, right, you mentioned that you did you 
wrote your third year dissertation based on the channel. Yeah. Does that mean that you have strategized as to what you need to do in order for effectively your channel to be your full-time job? Yes, I have. So do you know what, so you're at 17,000 subscribers now. What's the number? Yeah. What's the magic number? Yeah. What, what well, are you aiming for? I'm uh, what obviously aiming for as big as I can. If yeah, I could, yeah, if I could be, if I could be, become, if I'd be happier if I reached a hundred thousand. But let alone you see all these people who get have tens of. But what, what's what's the kind of the but lowest the, magic number? The, the lowest that, magic number for me would be fifty thousand. Yeah. That to me is a football stadium, and that feels good. Yeah. That, that, just to put it in that perspective, like fifty thousand people following you—that is a football stadium. Would fifty thousand? Followers. followers subscribers mean that you can spend more time yeah you know that the money coming in from it pays everything that it needs to pay plus gives mm -hmm. you the money for just yeah life which then means that you've got the extra time to put into increasing the quality increasing the output yeah you know there, there, there's a time yeah. when it suddenly spirals yeah. I think as well if, if the more followers I have the reason I say 50,000 not only is it a very handsome figure anyway but also the more people you have following keep in mind I've, only, I've not even hit 20,000 yet yeah. and I've already got a very vocal very honest and positive audience and the fact that they're communicating so much they constantly fuel my ideas I do get requests although I'm not strictly a request show I do get requests and it does spark my brain, my brain thinking actually it might be a good idea to do a video on that if I can multiply that by two that all it'll become self-fulfilling mm -hmm. and not only are you making videos that people would want to watch but also as well you'll have well in my case I'll have the uh, the the it'll be rekindling the passion for making videos that you'd want to watch yep. and obviously the more popular you are the more things you'll see the more uh, influence you'll have on other people and people actually are now starting to send me videos of them learning or of the, of the impact of my tutorials Cool. Where they'll, I'll have taught a uh, something that's quite complex that took me ages to figure out, and it'll be them learning uh, what they've learned from my videos and saying, "Here we go, I've cracked it." Okay. From my videos, and that's just one of the things. So I think if fifty thousand, if seventeen thousand people could do that, imagine what fifty thousand or a hundred thousand mm -hmm. can do, and that would be honestly bliss. But to, but uh, to just to put it in that perspective, that's yeah. just on a passion side. But the money side will be obviously a very important motive obviously paying bills and paying for car and everything like that but that, that's what I was getting at it's I'm, yeah. I'm viewing your yeah. musical output is a YouTube channel whereas yeah. somebody else's would be being a singer songwriter and playing live or being in a band or being mm. a DJ it's effectively the same principle is that yeah. you've you're creating content that you want an audience fans to engage with and then that can be converted into yeah. money, money in some way, shape, yeah. or form, and so it's the same with you know you you are doing your YouTube channel as well as as you mentioned at the beginning, having a part time job, mm. like a lot of people mm. in bands would be doing. So it's exactly the same principle. You're just yeah. creating different, slightly different content. Yes, definitely. <laughs> How long are your videos, roughly speaking? Um, roughly, I try to make them between four and six minutes. Right. So let's go with the longest. So a six-minute video takes how long to produce? Uh, so wow. coming up with the idea, recording it, coming up with the editing idea. it. 
Uh, normally, ideas tend to come off the cuff. I've got a pen and paper at home <laughs> where I'll literally do mind maps and lists of video ideas. And that could, I could an idea could come in the middle of the night, same way a song would yeah, yeah. for a songwriter or anybody else. And I'll take note of it. I'd probably sleep on it. I could wake up the next morning, I think, to be honest, that's awful. No. Uh, but other I- other Just ideas like can song. come along. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but other ideas will um, come and I'll make them straight off the bat. I don't often tend to, unless it's something like a review or where I could be discussing something that might require a bit of prior research to make sure that you aren't giving false information. A lot of it's very impromptu and very honest. And they can be very quick to produce. Okay. But some there can be some days. Uh, for instance, I just put out a video yesterday about... Um, the way my guitars are set up, but arguably a bit of an anoraki yeah. video, but it's to cater to uh, what a lot of people ask me. Mm-hmm. And uh, yesterday it took the videos, I think I think the videos just pushing the boundary of about seven and a half minutes just because of what I spoke about and the fact that I do like to waffle on a bit. Uh, but the video itself took about two hours to record for seven minutes, for a seven minute video. Right. And that's because I am a perfectionist by nature. And that's one of the curses of being, if you like, a content creator. You can, you're a perfectionist for a living. The mm-hmm. trouble is you're investing so much time for so little for other people to enjoy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it, so that was seven minutes, took two hours to record. Yeah. But then that's a good, another couple of hours yeah. to edit it down and, and yeah. all that sort of stuff. So yeah. again, a seven minute video could easily take a whole day. Yeah. And that's where that whole thing of, well, if this is to be sustainable yeah. or self-sustaining, then it needs to start, you need to yeah. know the facts yeah. and the figures about the numbers yeah. and you some, need. A lot of it can be, um, you know it already, but you're not happy with the um, the take that you just did. Like, yeah. for instance... Uh, What's yeah, the most takes you've done of a video? Uh, that was a, uh, That's solo covers that I've done before now, right. or a little improv, improv yeah. things. And I've done before now, I think, 23 or something. It <laughs> goes at it. Because where I'm I've not been happy. Yeah. Is it the last one that you were the, is the one that you, put, uh, that you post? You'd be surprised. It's often the first or second. So you, get, uh, so, you do yeah. all 23 and you yeah. go, you know, you know what, actually yeah, yeah. that first one was the yeah. best one. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah, I know. It's very much the sympathy for the devil thing. Where they, I think they did about 180-odd solo takes for that and they used the second one. Have you ever chopped a video up? And used the first bit of one and the last bit of another to. Yes, I have. I have on a couple of occasions where I think, um, and so, and that's not normally because of what I say, but it could be something funny might have happened, or there might have been a little bit of um, wit. Mm -hmm. Uh, There was one video I did a short while ago. um, I was talking about obviously a guitar of some kind. It might have been a review. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it was. It was a review of one of my Charvels, and uh, just as. for any guitar players who maybe or may not be listening, yeah. the, uh, it, you, it includes what's known as a split coil, uh, where you pull um, out the volume knob, you pull mm-hmm. it out. But I said, instead of saying pull the volume knob out, I said pull the knob out. Right. And uh, yeah. and, and I twigged, and I, and I said, I just remembered what I just <laughs> said. And uh, and my brother's films with me, and uh, you got him, you can hear a slight bit of giggling behind the camera, because <laughs> he's realized, and I thought, it's just one of those things, you have to include it, because there's a, you can't not have a bit of comedy in there. Yeah. Or even if it is not meant to be comedy. Because uh-huh. uh, I often tend to find when I try to be funny, it never works. I feel sometimes uh, if it's just uh, it could be something daft like a comeback or something you've made up on the spot or just in general that's when I feel my videos are at the best and the, the, 
-hmm. hopefully entertaining. You mentioned your brother helps you out. Uh, has have you always had help? Uh, it, or? I feel now that obviously uni's progressed and things are start. Obviously, we've got obviously we've got jobs and everything. It's started. To, we've started to go our separate ways with the channel. But he does still record with me. He likes to be part of it because well, he's I was very say, tech is savvy. It, is it much easier to have it so that there's somebody there at least? watching the yeah. video so they know that it's because it's that's yeah. one of the things yeah, I was to be honest, ask, uh, that it's quite tricky yeah, if it's just yeah, you in a room yeah, on your yeah. own yeah but, uh, with um, the benefit of being on your own is you have total and utter control of the stuff that you're doing which I suppose can have a huge it, it's, it's very fulfilling if mm -hmm. you get it right but in the case of my brother helping not only is he very tech savvy he's a perfectionist when it comes to the camera angles the sound and everything that goes with it. So I feel that a fresh perspective and being identical twins doesn't help. But uh, the fact that um, we both have similar perspectives, it, they often do mesh together and it really, really works. For instance, uh, my most popular videos have been made where my brother and I have been sat at a table, whether it could be in Starbucks, could even be at the breakfast table at home. Yeah. And we'll go, can you imagine if someone made a video about their favorite this? Uh, that kind of thing. Could yeah, you yeah. imagine if someone made a video on that? And they said, uh, right, and this could be this could be about seven o'clock in the morning or whatever. It'll be uh, shower. We're recording that video. <laughs> it literally just we have to do that. We, uh, the the idea will evolve as we're recording it. Yeah. And that's how um, my first video to hit one hundred thousand views happened. Okay. Uh, my uh, obviously my most popular video was not the first one to reach one hundred thousand views. The one that really made it for me. Yet again, Van Halen is a recurring theme because he's a huge influence on my playing, mm -hmm. and he happens to be massive on YouTube. Uh, but the top five Van Halen riffs video, that was a huge part of my dissertation that I wrote about. A lot of it was breaking down the success of that because no time mate went into making it. You know, obviously you asked me about how long it took to make a video. Yeah. We recorded that in under an hour, edited it in under an hour, uploaded it at a time that was totally not out of my main followers' time zones, my 44% of my time zone followers. We yeah. uploaded I think it was six a.m. on a Monday morning and it achieved 100,000 views in three weeks right. which had never been done on any other video every single one had plateaued at 3,000 views and that was the whole idea of that everything from the content to it like the, which wrist we chose the way they were filmed the guitars we used the sounds we'd use and the fact that it was in the middle of winter didn't help it was like literally we were filming in a tent it looked like and I think we did that literally certainly in under a day uh -huh. and it was it worked out perfectly it was just dreamt up straight up on the spot and I think you can't manufacture something yeah. too much otherwise it will lose that almost on the edge sort of flair mm -hmm. that a video should have I believe is there anything that you want to do with that channel that you haven't done yet uh, sort of get more people watching it. Oh, uh, that's that, well. One thing I'd love to be able to do is collaborate with obviously some major YouTubers and maybe maybe get onto the live streaming ladder. That's one huge thing I want to progress to. Right. But in terms of something really, really big that means so much to me, there's a trade show. Obviously, as a guitar player, you might know. Have you heard of the Nam Show? I uh, heard of yes. Yeah, it's an, it's a trade show in. Um, 
Anaheim, California happens twice a year. You've got one in summer and one in winter. And it's basically where all of the manufacturing companies and artists all come together in a massive building and not only discuss the new equipment, the gear and everything else, but they also perform. If you like, it's just a, if you, if you will, a guitar festival yeah, yeah. of sorts. But it's not even just, although it's known mainly for its guitars, it's everything. Drummers, there's, big, there's business folk there. Okay. It's just where, the, you can imagine where the music business comes out or the music business gods come out from well they descend from the heavens end up in this building <laughs> yeah. and uh, they, they're they there for probably about a week and I'd love to go there and do some videos there simply because not only could I meet the people uh, from brands that I've been trying to assist over the years mm -hmm. but also it would be a chance to show my subscribers what it's like to live a dream seems like a stupid thing no 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 but again, uh, I, I like, it's I, about it's yeah. about context it's about yeah. relatability it's about authenticity it's about all the things that bands and DJs and producers and yeah. artists are yeah. trying to achieve as well exactly uh, one of the one of the things that I captured where I thought this is not, it's not the in terms of quality it is not going to be a good video but in terms of what it will capture is invaluable. I got on stage with um, Steel like Panther. You did, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. I hate Steel Panther. Everybody does. Everybody <laughs> hates them. But the, but on a musical perspective, Satchel, the guitar player, is a huge influence on my playing. And I basically, it's a true example of where I asked and I got. I did the meet and greet, and I basically said, "I've covered loads of your stuff. I know the set inside out. Could I have a go?" Oh right, and, so you and they put and they they remembered who I was. Uh, although there was a strong, uh, there was it got to near enough the end of the show, and I was on the front of the barrier where obviously we needed to be. I think because yeah. we wanted that to happen, and we didn't think we'd been noticed, but. It, I ended up getting shouted up from the crowd to come and do it. Basically, I was like, "Yes, I can do this." Hello, I was, you know, I say that whole stretching arm up yeah. business that I mentioned before. It was very much like that, and I got a chance to capture and fulfil me playing next to my number one influence, which doesn't exactly happen a lot. Coming from BIM, it's given me the opportunity to do all of these things I'd never have done before. I've helped arrange masterclasses for Gus G and Guthrie Govan here who are huge influences on my playing also, but not not only selfishly for my playing, but also to help other people, because getting them in helps everybody. Yeah. And it, and also, um, not only do you meet these people, you build connections, and it gave, it's given me the confidence to approach new people, and Steel Panther being the, exact, the true example of that. And that's just the, one of the huge benefits of doing it. Uh, doing music education, you just have not only all this knowledge at your disposal, but a connection you can make. You never wonder when it will be. End. Thank you very much, cool. mate. No worries. As always, a massive thank you to my guest this week, guitar man Cam. Cameron Cooper. As I mentioned, you can find his YouTube channel just under Cameron Cooper, or you can find him on Instagram at guitarmancam. The chat was recorded back in September. Since then, Cam has actually be now become that influencer marketer that he was chatting about on the pod. Um, so he does a few bits and pieces influencer marketing wise for 
some of Fender's speciality brands, including EVH, Jackson, Chavel, and Gretsch. He's also recently signed a deal with Elixir Strings and is due to be starting work with Yamaha later this year. So a lot of the stuff that we chatted about that was in his future has very much become part of his present. So looking forward to get to having another sit down with him at some point. Thank you to everybody who checks out the podcast. It means a great deal. I'm still very much playing around with this. If anybody is interested in getting in touch with me at the show, get in touch via Gmail at behindthebusinesspod at gmail.com or via Instagram at behindthebusinesspod or alternatively via Twitter at Danny Champion. I'm continuing to do this for as long as I can pretty much afford to do it. If anybody has any requests for any guests on the show, I'd love to hear them. If anybody has any questions for anybody on the show, I'd love to get them from you. I still would really like to put together a listener question pod. So if any of the 23 now guests interest you at all, please do ping me a question that I can pitch to them. Thank you very much again for this week and you will hear me again next time. Cheers.